Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me where I am and where I am. My servant also will be. My father will honour the one who who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd was there and heard it, said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again, everybody. Um, Before we get started, I'm wondering if um, I'm going to ask for some help. So if you are a kid in the room and you think you're pretty strong... Um, would you mind just coming up sort of in the front row here? Anyone? Any volunteers? If you're a kid, you think you're pretty... Come on up. You guys come on up. Fantastic. I just need four. Four people. One, two, three. Come sit up here. Well, we can have more, but that's that's all right. That's cool. You, you guys can do it together. Just just sit right here, right on these front rows and these chairs right here or on the, on the steps. Cool. Excellent. Now, I'm going to... Um, so, um, I'm going to, um, you guys are going to help me do something I'm not very good at today, um, that my wife says I need to get better at. It's something called multitasking. Have you heard that? Yeah. If you, if you don't know what that is, just ask your mom, but not your dad. Just <laughs> definitely ask your mom. She'll be able to tell you all about it. Uh, my, my wife apparently is really good at multitasking, um, and I'm not, so I'm going to need your help to to do that today, because I'm going to attempt to do that. See, I, I have this message that I have to give. It's kind of important. It's what we do. So that that's one thing I have to do. But um, we I also have something else to do. See, we've just, our offices are just through this door over here, um, all the church offices, and we've just sort of rearranged all our church offices and have been moving stuff in, around, and uh the thing is that we're not quite done moving just yet. You see, Kieran, Leon, Daniel, and I, we have lots and lots and lots of books. And the main reason we have lots of books is so that people can walk into our office, look at all our books, and say, those people must be really smart. 
But I have a secret to tell you. I haven't read some of them. It's just, I haven't. It's just, whatever. So, because we've rearranged the office, we don't have much space for all of our books anymore. So we've had to take home most of our books. But we had, we wanted to keep some books, the most important books, so we can all share those together. And so that's what's in these, these bags right here. So these bags are just full of the most important books that we all wanted to keep together. And so I'm, I'm going to need your help to help me move these books while I do this sermon. Multitasking. Yes. Right? Okay. So here's how this is going to work. Just right now, if uh, you want to take a bag or two of you want to take a bag, they're really heavy because they're really thick books. If you can just put them on my arms, that would be fantastic. Just strap the, put the straps around my arms. That would be, oh, okay, that one's, that's good. Well, they are, they, cool. You can put that on me. Sweet. Let's just put this there and put that there. Whoops. Put the, perfect. All right. You guys can return to your seats if you want, or you can stay up here. It's up to you. It's, it's your choice, really. We can do whatever we want on Good Friday. It's day like that. Cool. All right. Well, here we go. Multitasking. Let's see how we go with this. Um, now, thank, thanks, guys, for allowing me to try to multitask today. Um, so what I want to do is jump into our passage that was just read for us from John chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles and you still have that passage open, we're going to be parked there this morning. Um, See, John, in John 12, Jesus and his friends are in Jerusalem, uh, the most important city in Israel. Uh, They're there to celebrate an event called the Passover. Um, the Passover was the most, the single most important day, even to this day, to a Jewish person. Um, it was important because it was a day where Jewish people remember how God set them free from slavery in a place called Egypt. Now, For you kids in the room, kids up here, does anyone know what that word slave means? Do you guys know what that word means? Yeah, what does it mean? It means that someone has to work for someone else and they have to do what that person says. Excellent. Yeah, that's exactly right. Awesome. Right? A slave is someone who they have to work for somebody else and they don't. They don't really get paid very much, if at all. Sometimes they don't get paid at all. And if they don't do that, exactly what you just said, they can get a punishment, right? They can get beaten up. They can be thrown in jail. Sometimes slaves, if they're not doing what the, their masters tell them to do, they get, they get killed, even. It's not, a, it's not a good life to be a slave, right? And at one point in history, every single Jewish person was a slave in Egypt in these miserable conditions, uh, and at one point, the God's people cried out to God for him to rescue them, to save them. And God loves hearing those sorts of prayers, and that's exactly what God did. The Bible tells us that he rescued his people from slavery in this really powerful way. And so every year, even today, Jewish people would come to Jerusalem and remember what God has done for them, how God saved them from this terrible life that they were living Um, And that's what the Passover festival was all about. And that's where we find Jesus in John chapter 12. He's at this celebration. And while he's there, John chapter 12 verse 20 tells us that some foreigners were interested in seeing Jesus. 
See, apparently Jesus had become so famous that news about him spread all over the world. And that's and these people had heard about Jesus from where they were living, and they had come to Jerusalem to see Jesus. Now, if some people had flown to Sydney and driven to Narrabeen uh, to see me from, like, Outer Mongolia or Timbuktu or wherever it is people come from to see me, I would be pretty stoked. Wouldn't you, if that were you, if someone came from some other random part of the world and they said, I heard about you, I want to I see you in person. That would make you feel pretty good. It would make me feel pretty good. You know, you know what I'd do if that happened to me, if someone did that? I would be so stoked. I would, I, would, I would embrace them. I would, like, tell funny stories. I'd make them laugh. I'd buy them lunch because I'm pretty generous, right? right? And I'd do all these fun things so that when they came to see me, I would give them as good of a time as I possibly could give them, right? So that they would have the best, most fun experience ever. But Jesus doesn't do any of those things. You know what he does instead? He starts talking about seeds. Seeds. That's what he does. Pretty strange, hey? Uh, Have a look at verse 24. It's coming on the screen. It says this. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What are you talking about, Jesus? Right? Instead of telling these people jokes or inviting them out to lunch, Jesus starts talking about sacrifice. Um, the sacrifice... Sorry. Just got to stretch here. The sacrifice of one thing, he says, that gives life to many things. And in this instance, he's talking about the death of a seed. Right? That uh, you take the seed of a plant and you put it in the ground. It's kind of like that seed has died and and been buried and just when you believe that that seed is is dead and gone a new plant sprouts up and produces more seeds which produce more plants which produce more seeds Um, this one seed is buried in order to produce more Uh, and that exactly is the idea of what the passover is all about Uh, see the jewish people remember that in order for them to be saved from their slavery a sacrifice had to be made and they did something that we might find today is really kind of weird and gross. Um, they took a spotless lamb and they sacrificed it. And they took the, the blood of that lamb and they, they smeared it on their doorposts. Um, and so that anyone whose door was found covered in the blood of the lamb would be saved. So this one lamb is sacrificed so that many may have life. And these people would have come to this festival to remember this sacrifice that saved them from slavery all those centuries ago. But these people, these foreigners, have also come to see Jesus. And Jesus tells them that there is this crossroads where he and ultimate sacrifice are about to meet. And in verse 32, Jesus compares himself um, to to the Passover. Passover, he says, is a one-time event. That what happened one time in history that rescued one group of people at one certain time. But Jesus says, I'm going to not just rescue one group of people at one time, but everybody for all time. And Jesus knows he's about to be killed. He's about to be hung on a cross for everybody to see. It's a painful and terrible way to go. Jesus says, but his, this suffering, this death is going to bring about life for many. 
Um, it's an event so monumental that Jesus uses a particular word over and over again to describe it. He uses the word glory or glorify. Um, and that's the word I want to focus on today. Um, just one word, the word glory. It's, it's not a word we often use in our vocabulary today, right? We don't, we don't usually use that word. It's kind of strange. And the only time I really hear that word is when an athlete or someone is competing, right? And they say that, uh, I have to be strong and brave. If I can't, uh, then I, I, I'm not going to receive the glory or the fame that I want. So they say, no guts, no glory. In other words, I have to give my all, I have to sacrifice if I want sort of fame and recognition. And that's maybe kind of how we use that word today. But Jesus is saying here that the death, his death on the cross will result in glory. The Greek word uh, used for glory here is the word doxa. Can you all say that with me? Doxa. There you go. It's pretty fun. Right? Uh, doxa in its simplest terms means reputation. Uh, or what that thing or that person is really like. In other words, Jesus says, the sacrifice of my life will show you what I'm really like. And Jesus would also be highlighting another word that gets translated as the word glory in, into English. It's the Hebrew word kavod. Can you say that with me? Kavod. It's a fun word to say. It sounds really cool. Um, kavod is a word used throughout the Old Testament. Thanks, guys. <laughs> In its simplest term, kavod means weight or heaviness, which is exactly what my arms are feeling right now. Um, people would use this word to describe how important or powerful someone was. Um, they would look at everything that they had, their, their relationships, their house, their family, their money, their land, their, their children, their flocks, their herds, um, whatever, whatever they had, and they sort of weigh it up in an imaginary scale in their mind. Just put it all on this imaginary scale. And the more wealth or children or cattle or whatever that you had, the more kavod you had, the more glory that you had, the more significance you had. And Jesus puts these two ideas together, and he says that his death will result in his glory, in his doxa, in his kavod. At the cross, the world will see what God's reputation is what God is really like. And Jesus says his death on the cross will result in, in glory, in this weightiness, will feel the full weight and significance of who God is. Uh, it's the most famous, heavy, significant event that's ever happened. Why? How can something as horrible as death and suffering produce anything good? Well, in Isaiah chapter 40, is looking forward to this event, and this is what he writes. It might be hard for you to read, but let me read it out for you. Isaiah writes this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory, that's the word kavod there, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. Isaiah says there's a time coming, just like the Hebrews in Egypt, where we will no longer be slaves. Slaves to our past, 
slaves to our mistakes, to our shortcomings, to our sin, to our brokenness, the things that are preventing us from experiencing life to the full. There's a day coming when we'll be set free, when we'll be bought, when our brokenness will be healed, where our guilt will be paid for. It's a moment so immense that the very contours of the earth are going to be reshaped, he says. God's kavod, his fame, his weightiness is going to be revealed for all to see. Well, how will that happen? Well, fast forward to Isaiah 52 and 53. God says he's going to accomplish this by sending his servant. This servant is going to bring comfort to everyone. He will cause those who believe to rejoice. But in order for that to happen, a sacrifice has to be made. And so on Isaiah chapter 53, he says this. He's talking about his servant. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. This is describing Jesus' death uh, for us. The moment where God reveals his glory dropped for everyone to see. Uh, the cross is this moment where we will see God's kavod, his glory. Where we, we will feel the full weight and significance of who God really is and what he is like. Through Jesus' death on the cross, we see a God who loves us so much that he died for us. I really love how the King James Version of the Bible puts Isaiah 53.5 this way. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. By Jesus' wounds, by his suffering, we have life. By his stripes, we are healed. He was sacrificed... That we might be set free. Uh, like one seed that must die so that much fruit is produced. Like one lamb is slaughtered to save many lives. Here, once and for all, one life is traded for ours. And we can look at the stripes, the suffering, the, the wounds of Jesus. And see the glory of God. To know that this is what God is really like. That God's not judgmental. Or disinterested, or mean, or angry, or out to get us. But he is totally loving. So loving that he sacrificed everything that we might be brought back to him. Through Jesus' death, we can experience true life. Um, be invited into God's family to share in his glory, his weightiness, his reward. We receive the promises of a, of a God who will never leave us or forsake us. Who says there's more to come. That despite the mistakes that we make, have made, continue to make, he is for us. By Jesus' death, we have life. By his stripes, we are healed. But there's more to the story than that, as unbelievable as that sounds. Um, because it's also in this moment where we see God's doxa, his, his reputation, his glory, to know what he is really like. Um, in these bags, as I said, these uh, bags contain books called commentaries. Commentary is a really fancy way to describe um, some really smart man or woman uh, explaining 
sort of word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, um, what's, what's in the Bible to explain what God is really like. This commentary here is, well, these are all commentaries on the book of John. So the, the book, the gospel we just read from, this one is a pretty thick one in particular. But there are literally thousands upon thousands of these books available everywhere, right? This is a commentary just going through John's gospel. Now, if you look at John's gospel in your Bibles, this is John's gospel right there, right? That's it. In this Bible, it consists of about 20 pages of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. It's, uh, you could read it within maybe an hour or two. It doesn't take very long. It's really quick. It's 20 pages. This guy wrote this many pages to describe this many pages, right? That, in other words, the, the weightiness of God, the glory, the doxa of God is so meaningful and significant that you can just write book after book after book, after book, and there's more. These are all just more and more books that explain who God really is and what he's like. And it just goes on and on and on forever. In fact, at the end of John's gospel, he even says that if you ever tried to write everything down about who God is and what God is like, that there would not be enough room in all the libraries and all the world to contain what all those books would be. Right? There's not enough space. And Jesus says here that the cross results in that sort of glory, that sort of reputation of letting us know who God really is. That for centuries, people have been writing about it, are writing about it, continuing to write about it, uh, to gather every week, to talk about it, to meet here at church and throughout the week in community groups or whatever, to wrestle through the meaning and implication of the cross. It's why we gather every single week, day after day after day, for centuries this has been going on. It's that big of a deal that no other event or other thing in history on earth has yielded that sort of time and energy and effort that can make people keep getting together and talking about it and writing about it. It's that big of a deal. The cross reveals God's glory, shows us who he really is. Well, today is Good Friday, and uh, each of us is here for, I'm sure, a variety of reasons. Uh, I'm here because I tried and failed to multitask, just didn't work out, sorry, I have to have some help doing it later, um, but maybe, you, maybe you're here because you want to reflect on God's glory through Jesus' death and what that means for you. Maybe you're here because you think, well, this is what you're supposed to do on Good Friday, right? You go to church and you hear a nice message. Maybe you're here because someone dragged you here against your will. I don't know. Or maybe you're here because, like the people in the gospel, you're a visitor in town and you come to see Jesus. But whatever your reason for here, for being here, Jesus doesn't want to entertain you for a moment or to give you a good time or to tick a box off for you to say, well, you've put your church time in for the year, or to make you feel better about yourself, or for you to just sort of hear a message and then walk away living the same sort of life that you've always lived. Rather, he's inviting you and I to something. He's inviting us to share and experience his glory, the most glorious, famous, heavy, significant event that ever happened in human history. And you and I are invited not just to hear about it, but to respond, to follow. 
At the cross, you will find everything that you're looking for. He did this for you. And by trusting in Jesus, you can find life and discover what God is really like. He who spared no expense for you.